everyone. You have found me and my podcast, Processing the Process. I am Lisa Tams, and I am just a mom who has supported and survived having two kids, actually that's two boys, apply, pre-screen, and audition for college musical theater programs. All of these steps together, I refer to, and many people do, as the process. Thus, the name of this podcast, Processing the Process. Going through it my first time around with my oldest son, I searched for something like this podcast, and I didn't find anything. And so I decided to fill that void. And that is how this podcast was born. I hope that by listening, other parents will benefit from my experience and get insight to this very specific process. So that's a little bit about me, this podcast, and what you can expect. On with the show. Welcome to this episode of Processing the Process auditioning for college musical theater programs, a parent's perspective. This is episode 14, first month as an MT college student. It's actually a bit of a continuation from episode 12, which was a recap of how Tommy's applying and auditioning process ended up. Today, I talked to him about his first month as an MT college student. I got a request from a listener, my first contact from a listener. I've gotten many, many listens, but I haven't heard from anybody (laughs) about anything. So I would love to uh, hear more. But I heard from a listener and I asked her about what she'd be interested in hearing with regard to show topics. And she said that she would be interested in hearing about how Tommy and Frankie are adjusting to college. That would be Tommy and Frankie to the real world and getting his career started and moving to New York. So I'll be doing that episode in the future, hopefully the near future. For now, this is a great conversation that I had with Tommy, and I'm actually so glad that someone requested it because (laughs) I had permission to pick his brain and hear him articulate things I know, but to hear him actually say them and go deep, I love. I just... That is life food to me. (laughs) If you've been listening to my podcast, like I mentioned, episode 12 was the recap from me about Tommy's process. In this episode, he and I talk about his process from his perspective. So you may have heard these details before, but It's just a good background uh, before we get into he and I mulling over our shared experiences of the process, which some interesting things surface. Tommy is a deep thinker, and I love that about him. He doesn't always 
share what he's thinking, but he does here. He shares his thoughts and feelings and realizations he has come to both in this process and since getting to school at Wright State about a month ago. We also get into more practical things about his program and what life as a freshman musical theater student is looking and feeling like. I got to (laughs) unabashedly ask him about his laundry and the state of his room And I was surprised, actually, at the answers, which is a pleasant surprise. He also shares what he misses, what is hard, and how he's managing there. I really am so proud of him and just how he came through this process. It is, as you know, if you've gotten started, he did it with such humility and honesty and I want to say grace. What do you say when a man is graceful? Um, hmm. I can't think of the word. But you will also get to hear how wise he is for being an 18-year-old young man. And at the same time, he also knows that 18 is not a lot of years (laughs) and um, that what he may think or the information that he has may not necessarily be the be all end all. Yeah. So I really loved chatting with him and I'm really happy to be able to share it with you and hopefully it will help you help your child navigate through this process and when it comes to be their turn to have their first month at their own college MT programs. Thanks again for tuning in and enjoy. Hello. How are you? I'm good. We were taking a little nap. Yeah, I did not mean to. I was reading when I woke up. You're done for the day today? Well, I need to go to rehearsal at six, but how do you feel I feel good okay so going back being sick on campus which you're only a few weeks in is there a clinic on campus I bet there might be I just didn't look into it just because the mini clinic is so convenient and I'm used to it I think that's gonna be a very good resource (laughs) it's like three minute drive really so you could walk there if you didn't have a car uh no are there and, many other people in your class who have cars on campus? Yeah, I would say about like a third of us. Wow. And that's a pretty, I would venture to say, a pretty unusual scenario compared to like the typical colleges to be able yeah. to that easily have a car on campus. Okay, so I need to like remove myself a little bit. <laughs> To be able to ask you like the right questions that other people would want to hear. So briefly sum up your personal story on getting to the point of deciding to be an MT student and going through the process of getting 
there? Well, I always knew that it was an avenue that was open to me. And as I started to do like more and more productions of things and started to get, you know, recognition, I realized that, you know, this is something that I'm good at and something that I enjoy. And so when the time came to make a choice as to like what I wanted to do with my future, I was still torn between like computer science and musical theater. But after like a lot of soul searching, I came to the conclusion that I wanted to do musical theater as a career path, but also apply for a minor in computer science for the schools that allowed that. Mm-hmm. And have you heard along the way people say, if there's anything else that you could possibly see yourself doing, that's what you should do? Uh, I have. I have heard that. And I mean, I don't really subscribe to that philosophy. I think that the human condition is prophesizing all these different futures for yourself. And if I had focused more on computer science during my high school career, because I came to that decision earlier that I wanted to do computer science, then I could totally might see myself pursuing a career in computer science, but that's just not the path that I took. And I'm at peace with that. And that's the key, I think, is getting to a point that you personally are at peace with your direction. Yeah. And so trying to summarize the process for other people to know from your perspective, go ahead and do that. Well, I mean, it was very daunting to begin with. It really helped that you had done it before. And you also kept me honest with deadlines. But one of the biggest things when it came to like the academic application was the essays for me, because I do not feel confident in my writing. Then we got in with an essay coach. And so she helped me kind of flesh out my ideas into words. And then I went to ArtsBridge the summer before my senior year and got the audition prep that I needed. And then I filmed my pre-screens soon after that we also worked with moo for monologue selection and we went to moonifieds after moonifieds i actually i moved my on-campus auditions to unifieds because i really liked the environment of auditioning over the course of a couple days as compared to auditioning over the course of weeks so we did that and it was just kind of like two sprints almost um yeah so that's the capsule on applying and pre-screening what about once all of your applications are in and you start hearing back Uh, i mean hearing back was for me it was the most difficult part of the process just because you know i didn't get into a lot of the schools that i that i wanted and um i you know, I started to get discouraged. And yeah. even when Wright State came through, I kind of shrugged it off because it was was on the bottom of my list. And, um, you know, I kept getting discouraged and discouraged. And and then when it came, came time to choose, I just stood up straight and balanced my, my options, which were American University and Wright State, and looked on the bright side. And I said, like, 
you know, I'm not going to go into this with a negative attitude because that's just not helping anybody. Yeah. And then I got here and I'm having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I would definitely agree with you that (laughs) emotionally, not logistically, but emotionally, that was the the hardest part of the process, which um, so rough as a parent um, being with you through that. In terms of my support of you and my reactions, you know, there's part of me that feels like because I was so emotional (laughs) that I may have made it harder for you. I wasn't like the pillar of strength when it came to fielding your feelings. I feel like I was reflecting yours. And how did that serve you? Do you feel like? Well, I think it's, it was very important that you knew the reality of the process and that it's highly selective and, you know, art is art and it's subjective. I would say that, the hardest thing for me is, is, is when you got excited, not when you got discouraged. Hmm. Because Bald, when Baldwin Wallace happened with the, uh, should, I, should I explain what happened? Um, it just really briefly because it's in another recording, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Baldwin Wallace sent me an email that looked, that kind of, that, they sent me four emails that came like in their accepted student email package. I, I opened it in, in front of you and you celebrated. I just kind of sat there because I just, I knew something was up. And, you know, on other occasions with auditioners, you know, saying favorable things and you being like, well, I mean, they can't say that and not mm-hmm. do something about it. Mm-hmm. But they can. They can. Well, and I think that you have to remember, I was thinking about this. Um, so point blank, I just want to say that in one of your auditions of the schools that you were really hopeful about, somebody said to you, well, it's a yes for me. Mm-hmm. And they passed you on through and you went to meet with other people as well. Mm -hmm. And that was, oh my gosh, like this could happen. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in my heart at that time, I mean, I know from my experience with Frankie to temper that, but at the same time, it was like, well, I mean, You can't get more direct than that. Yeah, this is viable. This is very viable. I think that what's important for other people to know that we learned is that it it isn't one person's decision. You might get positive feedback from your panel or one of the people who are auditioning you, but they have to take it back. And it's not just their decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But 
in looking at the overall picture of that, as disappointing as that was, I also think that it's a huge encouragement as to your abilities, even though you didn't get accepted there. Um, I've battled that thought for a long time because, and, and I'm, I'm still not really at peace with that. So, I mean, I'm going to say a couple of things and they, you know, they could change in the future. But, um, I just think that if my ability was extraordinary, then, you know, I, I couldn't really be ignored or you know to a higher degree like refused and being of like an an unrefined ability level then it leaves the auditioners to look for potential instead of to look for you know the upfront ability which you know is is i would say the the one of the biggest things that the auditioners look for for sure but if you don't got it then you don't got it (laughs) and i mean the auditioners you know they can't see like your work ethic compatibility in a three to four minute audition true so the only things they really have to go off of are what they see in your potential and what they see in your ability Mm mm-hmm you know, I am an 18 year old boy and (laughs) I could be very wrong. So these are just the things that I am feeling and observing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they're valid. Mm -hmm. So, and in the end, you said that you took it all in and made the choice to have a positive attitude. And I feel like I mean, I was impressed by what I saw as being a genuine, like, okay, I'm going to Wright State. And I feel like you saw the program as a program that would be valuable to you in the end. Yeah, it was a choice to not be a bummer about it. That's the least productive thing that I could have done was just sulk. Yeah. I mean, there is just no point in that. If this doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. And I transfer and that's, that's that. Yeah. And there's no harm, no foul in that, Mm -hmm. but I need to give this the chance that it's worth. Yeah. And talk a little bit about, working through letting go of the higher tier schools Mm -hmm. and embracing this? I would say that the hardest thing for me was not associating the results with my talent and my ability, which I know is kind of like contradicting what I said like five minutes ago Um, but yeah and just realizing that college is a time to learn and to work your butt off and you can go to whatever school that you want to go to but if you don't 
put in the effort like so many people don't, then it's, it's for nothing. Really, it was just coming to the realization that every college has the resources for you to excel and you just need to actively seek them out. Because if you just let these opportunities come to you, you're just not benefiting your future. I remember Frankie saying when he was about to graduate, I feel so ready and done. I feel like I have taken every last thing out of this program that I possibly could to take with him going forward into his actual career. Matt, I hope I feel like that. That's basically what you just said is that's what you're there to do. And it takes a lot of discipline to actually do that and and stay that focused for four years going through a program like that and so I don't want to put words in your mouth but you feel like you are in the right place for you yes and how does that feel it feels good it also feels daunting because I know that I have all this work ahead of me, all of these opportunities that I need to seize and all of these moments of discipline. And I think that anybody in any level of school should feel that. Yeah. Like there's so much ahead of you. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's accepting that you are at the beginning. There is so much more for you to learn and know. I mean, you have to be humble and you have to see just maintaining that in life as you go forward forever. Like you're never done. Mm -hmm. You're never done learning more and getting wiser, you know? Yeah. Well, I feel really good about where you are right now. I think that Wright State does have an exceptional program. And I'm really excited to come and see the productions and the work that is being put out because from what we saw, just from visiting and seeing a show and also visiting and seeing the resources that they have on campus and their setup and their programming, it holds up to CCM, which is really the only other program that I know intimately. Yeah. I feel at peace with where you are. Yeah. And you do too. Yes. Okay. Now getting on to like the more practical first year, just getting started student. How, well, what does your room look like now? I'm just curious. I don't mean setup. I mean, what condition is it in? Oh, it's clean. It's interesting. Like it's my space. No, I am fully responsible for, everything that happens to it. I've I've noticed that I definitely keep a much cleaner dorm than I do room at home. (laughs) Yes. Isn't it funny how that happens? Because you have to live in it. Yeah. Yeah. At home, you know, it's your room, but there's the rest of the house. And how did you find your roommate? Um, My roommate was assigned. He is also an MT. All the MTs and all the actors and all the dancers live on the first floor of West Honors. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, and how big is your class? Musical theater class has 17 people in it, 10 boys, seven girls. Also, at Wright State, the way that their program is set up, you also do a lot with the acting students. Is that correct? Yeah, especially like the first two years, we take almost all of our classes with them and then we specialize. The musical theater students will then like separate out into a different track that focuses mm-hmm. more on the musical theater world. So do you have the same people in all of your classes? No. All day? No. Like, why not? Why aren't you all just on the same track with there only being 17 of you? Because we attend all of our classes with the acting majors at this point. So there's actually 30-something of us. And we also have different levels of dance, and they meet at different times. So that kind of puts everything out of whack. And are you taking any academic classes? I'm taking theater in Western culture, which is a required freshman year course. And that counts as a social study. Going forward, will you take academic classes? We'll have to take math in the real world, which is like taxes. Perfect. A couple of English classes, a history, and a biology. Biology, really? We can either take food biology or human biology. Hmm. They're very practical, like life applicable classes. They're not like gen eds in the traditional sense. And how is it going with your roommate? It's good. We, we get along very well. Did you have a lot of anxiety about roommate situation? I did. I've had some bad experiences in the past and that kind of really. What is the partying atmosphere there? They have parties that like have always happened and like happen every year. Part of their tradition. Of yeah. In- incoming so. classes and that. Yeah, so there was, like, the freshman mixer. So, like, the seniors threw a party for us, which was super fun and super nice. Every time, like, a production closes, they'll throw a party. And productions close about every weekend because we have this thing called the directing lab. Every weekend, a student-run show will go up and then go down in the same weekend. And so they'll throw a party. And, like, the whole program is welcome to come? Yeah. Do you feel like there's any peer pressure that would push somebody beyond their comfort zone if they aren't interested in partaking? No, there's a lot of people who aren't really interested in that. And they still come and have a great time. And all the upperclassmen are super nice. That's one of the first things that was like, oh, everyone is actually very nice. And so there would never be anything like that. That's so good to hear in general, do you feel like, is it a pretty inclusive experience for yourself, but also when you look around, is there anybody like not being included? What is that looking like? Well, going into it, I was really worried that it was going to get clicky just because like, that's the nature of teenagers. I do notice some people on the outer edges, but I think that that is just because it takes time for certain people to feel comfortable in a space with other people. And you actually are one of those people in the past. Yeah, I have had an easier transition than in the past. People 
tend to enjoy my presence, which is nice. <laughs> what has made the difference? Have you done anything different in your actions or do you feel like it's coming from the environment? I think it's coming from the environment. I know that I haven't directly tried to like change anything about myself. Yeah, it's just the environment. And if I like want to just go see what's going on like down the dorms and I knock on somebody's door, like there will always be a warm reception too. And do you feel like because when you lived at home, you spent an extraordinary amount of time in your bedroom, do you feel like you are in your room more than most people? Yeah, it's a very conscious effort to leave my my dorm but I think it's very important because I know that I would be upset if I go to bed that night I'm like oh like I didn't socialize today at all but that's something that you have learned about yourself to be conscious about so you are pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to do that yeah definitely well and we talked about that before you left and I was encouraging you to make sure that especially initially that you did do that mm-hmm. just to help establish your initial bonding, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or typically you would just kind of hang back and let things take shape. And I think that people might take that as you being not interested in them or read into it for something that it's not, you know? Yeah. For your workload and your classes and what is so different about being there versus high school it's just a different kind of work we are on our feet and we are rolling on the ground and we are (laughs) we're sweating and feeling and crying and it's physical psychological it's like everything is it exhausting yeah you know i'm mentally applying myself a lot more than I would in traditional high school just because not only does like the work require it it's also like I want to do it do you expect that to be just like an initial thing no I think that is something that will always happen because I mean acting by nature is just very self-exploratory there will always be a lot of exploring yourself So is it weird to be in a classroom and to have that level of openness and vulnerability in the presence of your classmates and then the class ends and is it just like, okay, normal, we're not going to talk about the depths of us? Not for me necessarily, just because of, you know, the camps I've attended, but I imagine, you know, somebody who hasn't gone to like a camp like that, then it would be kind of a weird dynamic where you walk out of the room and you leave everything that you did in the room in the room. And when you see people out of the room, are you thinking like, oh, wow, like does something shift because they, because you saw something or they shared something now, does that like shift your relationship with them? Uh, It's hard to say. I think yes, but it's not strange because you know it's happening all the time and to everyone so what is your relationship with your professors so we just got our faculty mentors and 
they are like put in place so that we have somebody to go to um, if we have any like questions or comments or concerns about our our time here. But like moving forward, you know, we don't only have to communicate with our faculty mentors. We can go to whatever faculty member or like teacher that we feel most comfortable with. But like the mentor is just put in place to kind of introduce us to like the idea of that patient because they really encourage it. And in observation of the classes ahead of you, do you feel like there's a very personal kind of exchanges going on? I mean, I remember Frankie, a dance teacher, I think, like hosted parties like, you know, Halloween and did like a Christmas thing. And I wouldn't really say in, in that way, but in a lot of my classes like we start off the teacher will just stand in a circle with us and will make eye contact with us and we don't speak a word we just stand there and make like 30 seconds of eye contact with every single person in the room and like that's just kind of like 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 a check-in and it's very it's very personal wow it sounds intense it is it's also just a part of the interaction that we're learning. Um, it's like based in Meisner and Stanislavski. Which are like acting techniques? Yeah. But I mean, they translate into real world applications as well. So have you been in touch with people from home? How are you maintaining contact? It's a lot more like effort of communication that I'm used to sending a text and just saying like, Hey, what's up? And just like having a conversation over text versus just being like, Hey, want to hang out at like two o'clock? Then we would go talk in person, but it's really just taking the time to reach out. So do you feel and, like you're current on everybody? Like if you know what's um, going on? No, I just want to let these people know that I still care about them but I don't need to know everything that's going on are you missing them tons are you missing home it's like you miss us (laughs) I do yes it's not so much that I'm missing home I'm just it takes time to adapt to a new environment and so I can kind of feel the progression of just okay like this is this is these are what my days are like this is what my day looks like now, you know, versus for the past four years of high school, you know, my day looking like going to eight hours of classes and then having, you know, a couple hours of rehearsal after, and then, you know, just being able to like go like right to bed when I get home Um, and eating dinner with you guys versus like, you know, I'm in college now and my day looks a lot different. How though? I have different responsibilities um, you know, it's a very different mode of education, um, which actually has a really profound effect on like my day-to-day habits because like we are like on our feet 24-7. And I'm not, I like, when I'm in class, I'm not sitting down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's a lot of like introspection that 
has a lot more of an effect on like my day-to-day thoughts and feelings than I expected that it would, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So like when you leave the classroom, it continues even though it's not in the classroom? Yeah. It's a and different it's- vibe and it's a different way of living. Is that draining? For now it is, mm-hmm. but I'm sure, you know, my body will reach a point of normalization again and this will be normal. Are you missing academics at all? I miss, <laughs> I miss logic. Being able to understand all the information that is given to me. I had a conversation with Tanner, my roommate, earlier today and just talking about the way that the things that we are learning are learnt versus the way that formal education is learnt. Like, so for traditional formal education, you learn the concept and then you execute it over and over again. Whereas in, you know, this kind of education, a part of learning the concept is doing it. And you don't really understand what you're doing until you do. Like I don't know if that makes goes off. Not necessarily. It's not instantaneous, but you, you gain understanding as time goes on, but in a different way than formal education. Right. You grow in understanding rather than having that definition down or that formula yeah. down. Yeah. You know, it, it just everything's a lot more open-ended which is hard for me, but I, it's, I enjoy the challenge. Do you feel like you're already growing a lot? Yes. Like interiorly? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, that's the whole thing that, yeah. Like that, that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We are just analyzing us. That's so Um, good. I feel like everybody should do that at some point. It is. And I didn't realize it, but like, you know, this is kind of the thing that I've always been looking for is just like, I've always wanted to understand myself and what, why I do what I do and why other people do what they do and what's going on in my mind and why it's going on and the relationship between my mind and my body and my actions And this is really as close to that as you get this and like being a monk (laughs) doing like meditating and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What do you miss most about home? What do I miss most about home? I guess, I guess I miss like the familiarity, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, like everything is, everything is different. Everything is new. Yes. And, and it's not that I don't like it. It's just uncomfortable. Like it's expected to be. Yeah. And that's where the most growth happens is in like your discomfort. Do you miss your privacy? Not as much as I thought that I would. Um, I've really gotten an appreciation for relationships and maintaining them and like thinking about other people 
you know, just kind of not sacrificing parts of my day, but being like, okay, you know, it's time to put down whatever I'm doing and engage, engage for the sake of whoever's listening. They don't really know what your former, what your normal is on that. As compared to home. Yeah. What would typically happen here? Essentially when I'm home, I am in my room and I come down for meals or when I'm feeling particularly not lonely, but like I should engage. Yeah. But I, I had a lot of time to myself. Yes. And you guys respected that. And it is by no means a negative thing. It is just how I acted and probably how, how I will continue to act when I'm home. And what about you spent a lot of time, not like you had a lot of free time when you did, I feel like your reprieve was to go on your computer and game and watch YouTube videos on different subjects and that. And do you have time to do that now? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Like, you know, Sunday, like today is my big re-energizing day. I've been on a computer. I've been playing some games. I didn't really have a whole lot of responsibilities today, which was nice. And I purposely set it up that way. I did all of my homework and stuff throughout the week. So I kind of have today to recharge. That's good. Yeah, I think you know yourself pretty well in in terms of like self-care that you need your sleep and you need some downtime. Mm-hmm. But you need to stay active. Mm-hmm. at the same time too much downtime isn't good yeah oh housing for next year is that something you know a lot of schools <laughs> like freshmen need to know have a plan on where they're going to live and who they're living with like by october yeah there hasn't really been a lot of conversation about that yet i mean just because you know the interpersonal relationships aren't at that point yet you know things are very much we're all trying to still trying to figure out each other. Yeah. I imagine people will start bringing it up pretty soon, which is crazy (laughs) because, you know, at that point I'll have known these people for like, I don't know, like, like a month and a half, two months. (laughs) And, you know, deciding to sign a gear lease with them is pretty crazy. Yeah pretty big deal for not really having a lot of information you're kind of still like taking a risk at that point yes and do you expect that you will meet and make friends with people outside of your program I hope so maybe when I start taking academic classes but right now there would be a lot of effort into maintaining those relationships Is there a Greek life there? There is, but it's like they function in a very different way. There aren't like frat houses or anything. Have you explored outside of campus at all? Yeah. There's a mall down the highway called The Green. Just off the outskirts of campus, there's a couple couple restaurants and, I mean, relatively sparse. Yeah, there's not like a main little town or anything that's like, how's laundry going? How many times have you done laundry? Done it every weekend. Oh, really? 
Is it right yeah. in your dorm? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's not that big of five minutes to get everything in the hamper and go downstairs and separate and throw them in and then come back 45 minutes later. Does the machine like tell you, Is do you get a text that it's done? No. Oh, some campuses have that. Isn't that crazy? No, I have to use quarters. Yeah. <laughs> it's old fashioned, like old oh, school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the idea was just brought into my head. You know, you should be worried about leaving your stuff in the wash because people might steal it or something. So um, I probably, well, I mean, not particularly at Wright State, but just like in college in general. Yeah. Because they don't lock or anything. But I don't want to sit down there for 45 minutes and then another half an hour for drying. Do you feel like you arrived there with the right items? Yeah, as much as I can kind of expect to be. One thing is like I didn't have tights. And then they brought a ballet store into one of the studios. We got like a big discount. And do you only wear active wear? Yeah, pretty much. So I should know this, but I really don't. Is a dance belt basically like a jackstrap? So I have full seat dance belts. So there's full seat and just seated. So seated, think like thong. And full seat, think like granny panties. (laughs) Like tidy whities Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You can't just wear athletic briefs? The first day that... They were like, okay, now you need to like start wearing your tights. I um, was like, well, let's see if I can get away with this. So I put on my briefs and then I put on my tights and then I looked in the mirror. I was like, uh oh, oh no, there's a reason. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because I mean, you've gotten away going to summer programs and for all these years without ever having a dance belt, right? Yeah. Huh. And on money matters. Is there an ATM there? How do you get your cash? Do you need a checkbook? Do you need an ATM card? I mean, I'm not like buying anything really. And anything that I do have to buy, I can just use my debit card. But in terms of like meals, we have four swipes a day meal plan. There's also a two swipes a day meal plan and 10 swipes a week meal plan. And I can go down to the little market that is in my dorm complex and they have some amenities that you can use your meal swipes to oh, purchase. Really? Like what? Yeah. Like Tide Pods or like deodorant or paper towel. You can um, use that as a swipe. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, that's cool. So just for listeners sake, what, my husband and I, what Eric and I have done with the kids is at the beginning of each month, we put in a set amount. If they go over that amount, then they dip into their own money. And if they choose not to spend it at all, then it's theirs to budget and figure out. And honestly, I'm not sure. I think we're going to have to fill that out on how much you actually need. But that has worked for us in the past and in terms of staying in touch with us do you feel like we've been in touch a lot so far or or not enough or 
are you like wanting to get on a specific schedule because you like it better that way? What are your thoughts on that? Well, can I turn that question back at you? Do you think? Sure. What do you think? Well, I like to plan on, I mean, we've always done Sunday evenings with Ellie and Frankie, and that has always worked really well. Yeah, I like to have a plan that I know at least once a week that I'm going to. And, and, and I like to FaceTime, too, like to be able to see you because that makes such a huge difference for me because I can see you and <laughs> it makes me feel like I was with you mm-hmm. and not just talking to you. So, yeah. And then yeah. if Sunday doesn't work that week, then tell us can we push it to Monday night or Tuesday night based on whatever your schedule is Mm -hmm. did we talk about drop-off I mean I think my drop-off was kind of an anomaly and a lot of people wouldn't really be able to (laughs) relate (laughs) relate to it yeah that's true the reason we say that is that he moved in like two days before the actual moving day because he went to the last orientation so we dropped him off in the dorm and he was the only one. <laughs> well, there was one other girl on the floor and you're all right. And it was, yeah, it was a strange feeling to drive off and you're just like alone, like really alone. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things I think that other parents can relate to is that when we dropped you off, I really wanted to, and I have in the past, we've set up the whole room and done a run to target or walmart or whatever and gotten whatever you don't have and when we left it's like you're set and that did not happen at all because your roommate wasn't there yet yeah so you didn't unpack and you were more interested in going the steakhouse that we've been to before than unpacking (laughs) And so I really had to check my control mom stuff and just be like, okay, that's what, that's what he wants to do. That's what we're going to do. So that was a very different drop-off experience for me. Do you feel particularly unfulfilled from (laughs) from that? Because I didn't get to set you up. Well, you made my bed. I made your bed. Yeah, that that was very important. Yeah, you need to have your bed made. Um, no, I, I grappled with it a little bit. And then I remember I came to this moment of realizing that it was actually the best case scenario for you because I feel like you got the time to just kind of settle in without all the chaos around you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with your personality... If you moved in on the day that everyone was moving in and there was all that happening, it would have been stressful. Have you cleaned at all? Oh, yeah. You have? Like, yeah. I mean, Tanner has a vacuum and make sure the sink is clean. And yeah, it's okay. it's nice that I have a hamper, too, because it's a place to just like you know, put all my dirty clothes so they're not yes. like everywhere. So they're not on the floor. Yeah. Everything that has to be cleaned is 
cleaned right then and there. That's so good. Yeah. I mean, you're probably going to still come to my dorm and like be like, what? <laughs> Maybe. No. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Do you have any words from experience thus far that you would want to equip the next class of people that are going through this with? I think it is very important to be nice to everybody, no matter what they might think of you or what they might think of other people. I think that you're not helping anybody progress forward if you are putting somebody else down. And I think that, you know, teenagers have natural tendencies to form cliques. I have come to the realization that it is kind of inevitable. Mm -hmm. Um, But don't actively seek out reasons to put somebody down. Just because one thing that somebody does might bother you, you don't need to look for other reasons to be bothered by somebody. Because if you're looking, you're going to find it, you know, and they can be such a wonderful person. But if you look for dirt, you're going to find dirt. And if somebody's excluded, then <laughs> include them, please, yeah. because they're not having a good time. Well, you know that from experience of being on that side of it, but. Do you feel like that's happening there now? Not to a degree that I have seen it, but like I said, it is a natural tendency of teenagers. I don't know if it's just me being idealistic, but I think it could be better. I have seen it be better, but it could also be a lot worse. From what I have seen and heard, nobody is letting that influence them as much as I have seen it influence people if that makes sense yeah well i mean essentially be kind it's just it's just so huge if you're nice people will just like you and if they don't and you're still nice to them you have all the ground to stand on and you don't need to prove anything to them you just are nice yeah so that's where i'm at with that (laughs) That was kind of cathartic as well. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is frustrating if you see it happening. It's difficult. Well, especially because you have experienced that exclusion, you probably are particularly sensitive to it for I am. other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on my end, from talking to you and my own observations i feel like everything is as good as it could be yeah for you i mean everything has been very positive i mean i am enjoying myself like no situation is perfect i do feel like i am adjusting well especially comparatively and what do you think helped that in your growing up and experiences kind of the denial of negativity you know like if I am feeling particularly like stressed or, you know, downtrodden, I can just logically pick it apart and analyze it and realize that feeling these things, well, they are important to feel. There comes a time when you just need to take a deep breath and kind of walk 
past them. And Mm -hmm. those emotions are important and they're very valid, but you can't let it get to you for longer than it needs to. So you feel like your attitude and the way that you're processing things is making a difference, especially in comparison to what you're seeing around you in terms of people adjusting? Yeah. But I mean, also, I think that people carry their own baggage. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, for sure. I mean, I don't know what other people have gone through. I mean, I think I'm very lucky to have the bearing that I have and, and being able to think objectively. Well, also, you've spent time away from home in programs that have prepared you for what this looks like i think that that probably it's very valuable is a big contributor to being able to adjust well Mm -hmm. too well i feel very content with where you are and i love hearing about your attitude and just talking to you about all this and it's for other people's benefit, but it benefits me too. Cause I get a peek into what I know to be true, but when you verbalize it, it's that much more like, yay, <laughs> I'm proud of you. Thank you. So proud of you. I'm very excited to come and see stuff there that you're a part of and involved in. And, you know, I was driving down a street that, me you and dad had previously driven down and like that's like a regular route that i drive down now to get to rehearsal and i was just thinking when you guys come here i'll be driving <laughs> you around i will know where i'm going and you guys <laughs> have no idea yeah it's so interesting because we shared that experience of like wait where are we and now i'm so familiar and we are clueless it's like the tables are turned. I want to come to see Peter and the Starcatcher. What, what exactly is your title? So I'm the production assistant. Which is very cool. Yeah. It's such a, a great opportunity. Yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful experience. So good. Do you feel like it's also giving you the opportunity to meet people? Oh, yeah. Big time. More than you otherwise would. Mm-hmm. Especially like upperclassmen and... Yeah, it's funny. You know, I was with a lot of upperclassmen last night at one of the upperclassmen's birthday parties that all the freshmen were invited to. And upperclassmen came up to me and addressed me by name. And I, and I knew their name. And um, essentially, the first question that I was always asked was, how did you wind up doing this? <laughs> Yeah, because it's uncommon that a freshman would be doing that. Mm -hmm. And what do you tell them? I was bored. (laughs) Which, like, I mean, isn't necessarily, I mean, it's funny. It's not necessarily true. Uh Um, But I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity that I saw. Yeah. I mean, this is a huge opportunity for learning. Mm -hmm. and 
like we just said, building relationships early on, getting connected. Mm -hmm. This is going to lend itself to that more than you otherwise would if you weren't doing that. Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay. Well, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you and Thank you for doing this and thank you for letting me share your story with everyone every step of the way. I appreciate that because that is putting yourself in a vulnerable situation, even though all these people out there will never know who they are. (laughs) And I hope and I think that it's very helpful. What would you say to the moms and dads? I would say share the podcast. Reach out. Reach out to my mom. She loves it. She loves it. Uh, when we first signed on for, to, to record, she was like, did you see that I got my first? Somebody, somebody messaged me. <laughs> yes. I was very excited. Um, yes. So that. But, I mean, in terms of words to tell them, from your perspective as they're preparing to really delve into this? I don't know. I'm 18 years old. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that it all turns out. It's always all okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. On that, we can wrap it up. Okay. Okay. I love you so much. Love you too. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. So that was my guy, Tommy. He is my third oldest child. I hope that you got a lot out of that. It has dawned on me along the way. And being that I have boys who have gone through the process I don't know if as parents of girls that are going through the process, if you feel for any reason like there's something that I'm missing or that you can't relate to here because I've done a lot of talking about my boys and my conversations with several moms, I guess, have been with moms of boys as well. I do have plans to have chats with parents of girls. I actually plan to be touching base with a couple of moms that I've already connected with and recorded with for this podcast and just get an update on how things are going for them now that they're actually in the process. So look for that coming up. I'm also wondering if maybe people don't know how to contact me possibly. Um, But I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear about how your process is going. Um, If you would like any insight on a specific topic, I'm here as a resource. I want to be findable on social media. If you have any suggestions on where I should make this 
linkable or findable, I would love to hear from you about that. I am on Instagram and Facebook at Processing the Process PTP. On Apple Podcasts, for some reason, maybe because I am just, I don't know, I'm, I'm not in the big leagues in terms of podcasts, I am findable there under my name, Lisa Tams, and that's just L-I-S-A. My last name is spelled T-H-A-M-S. Lastly, you can message me on Messenger, which is PTP hyphen Lisa Tams. I hope this will help to navigate where you're at and where you're going in this process with your child. Wishing you ease in the process, peace, calmness, (laughs) and excitement. Oh, and a shout out to Moo Crew parents because the woman who did contact me with a question told me that other Moo Crew parents were also listening. So happy to hear that. I hope that you will share this with someone that you know would benefit from listening. All right. Be well. I'll be back soon. Thanks again.